everyone and welcome to season two episode 22 of the big at the back podcast i'm joined by a jubilant matthew higgins and i'm not in the best moods today matt how are you i'm fantastic uh had a good week fpl wise uh, i've just got back from football training myself hence the uh if you're watching this the the football looking kit that i'm wearing um yeah pretty much that um but yeah i'm not too bad it's uh fa cup week so we've got some filler to get through um uh, but it will be all right a couple of good games to look forward to over the weekend even though it is a bit more cup. we're all looking forward to brighton smashing liverpool again aren't we but anyways other than other than your dismal fpl performance this week how are you i mean dismal fpl performance aside uh, you might be wondering why we're late to bringing you this podcast, by the way. It's because we didn't really care about the FA Cup, so we've just delayed putting it out. But I can honestly say that no matter what happens in the FA Cup, no matter what happens in the Carabao Cup, I said this last year when Liverpool won both, both of them are shitty, stupid competitions that no one should really give a monkeys about. All this magic of the FA Cup, that died 15 years ago, mate. It, like both of the competitions are just a, a joke now; they're filler, and therefore FA Cup weekends are boring. I don't. Really but is the problem with that big teams not taking them seriously? The, I'll agree with the League Cup, but I think the FA Cup is has a storied history. It is the oldest cup competition in world football, and you do get stories like Stevenage knocking out Aston Villa in the last round, which was a very good result for them and it like especially the further down the footballing pyramid you go winning an FA Cup game can pay your bills for a year yeah I know I just can't really get excited it's just it's easy for you to say as a Liverpool fan I think whereas if you spoke to a fan of a team in League One or League Two even the championship getting through to like the fourth fifth round of the FA Cup is can make their seasons yeah I remember uh, Southend beating Man U being memorable Um, yep I remember West Ham beating Man U at one point as well God, nah, that never happened. Seems like a long time ago. I think I was in primary school when it happened, and I remember it. Um, but let's talk about fantasy football then. So, as you mentioned, I've had an absolute shocker of a week. Um, I took a minus four, got Luke Shaw in for a total of zero points. Wonderful. Ben White for uh, starting for the first time. He's been on my bench and got seven, seven, nine, seven. He started him, he got zero. Um, Mitro with two, Darwin off the bench with one. I thought he was going to start, which is why I left him in. Um, it's just luckily I still captain Harland and I didn't move to KDB, which I actually was thinking about. Imagine that if that would have happened, I probably would have quit FPL. How about you? You've had him. Oh, and of course, Danny Wars over Kepa. I just can't bring myself to have Kepa in goal against Liverpool. I you think. are going to regret that so much. I just I just can't do it. So I've gone wars in goal. Hello darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Thank you so much for that. For anyone <laughs> that was a clip from last week's podcast that Matt has very kindly edited. Oh, Matt, how are you? <laughs> I think uh, it's the thing is, like I said, you were gonna regret it. It was uh, I said last week you should have gone I for it because that. if he because then if he did keep a clean sheet, it's something to fall back on, and you'll be like, oh well, at least I got FPL points. But I want to really, really 
go all in on my team. And I don't think I can be faulted for that. It's like Have you not seen them play in the last month? (laughs) To be honest, the last calendar year. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, you had a better week on FBL. So I, oh, sorry, I got 66 points. One above average, but it's red arrows all rounds, and I'm dropped to about 850k-ish. Matt, how have you got on? Much, much better, thankfully, for my sanity. Uh, I started Kepa because I'm not an idiot. (laughs) The only uh, downside, I think, was I had Cresswell starting who didn't play uh, the first time West Ham have kept a clean sheet in God knows how long. (laughs) And uh, Cresswell didn't play. In fact, the first time we've kept a clean sheet since... Uh, game week 12 by the looks of it um, when we beat I think that was I think that was actually no that wasn't Wolves it was Bournemouth we beat 2-0 um, then uh, so he came out of my team for Luke Shaw who got zero points uh, the only way it could have been very so I had Tyrick Mitchell third sub and he picked up seven points so it would have been nice for him to come in but other than that I had Stones and Trippier at the back who both picked up eight uh, I was as you saw on Twitter toying with C- Captain and Kieran Trippier thank god I didn't um, Rashford and De Bruyne are both getting returns. Martinelli and Almiron uh, also in the middle with not much. Uh, Kane up top with Super Valtvecourt, who unfortunately saved his goal for the League Cup instead of getting it against Arsenal. Uh, and then, of course, big man Erling Haaland with 34 points. So finished the week with 85 points uh, with zero hits as well, which makes a nice change for me. So green arrows all round, and that takes me up to... 1.4 million after being about 1.8. So a good right. gaming week. Very big jump for you. Um, it just feels so weird, isn't it? When your captain gets a hat trick and that the third goal actually put my rank down because the Morris assist. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Harland is so heavily captained by everyone in the game that when he gets a hat trick, it, it just makes no difference. And even when he scores, you're kind of like, ah, because there'll be some people to triple captain him every week. There'll be some people to have the player that's assisting him as well. Um, The first one, when KDB assisted, I was like, yes, because I could actually celebrate a Harlan goal. The others, not at all. Yeah, that's the thing with FPL. And we've said about trying to make it fun and effective ownership sort of takes the fun away and you just want to cheer when your players do something well. But uh, you can easily get bogged down in the stats and numbers. It's different, it's different with Haaland, just because everyone's going to captain him every week because he is an absolute specimen. Um, Although, um, you say everyone's going to captain him every week, next week could very well be a very different story. Well, next week is a double. That's where it gets really, really interesting. Um, for those who haven't been following, this week coming, we have got a potential, at time of recording, double for Manchester United and Leeds playing each other. Now, I say potential because if Manchester United or Leeds draw in the FA Cup this weekend, then neither team will play the double and the FA Cup replay will go in that slot instead. Now, I think both teams are probably likely to win, which makes Bruno, Rashford, Shaw, Anthony, Veghorst, they're all really good options for this week. Yeah, it'll be, uh, I think the the template, is the, the three will probably be Shaw, Rashford and Fernandez, I would imagine, but people might look elsewhere. Uh, I've currently got Veghorst. I think that might change, although he did score last night as we're recording this. So you never know what's going to change between now and then. And 
if they do have this double, Man U still have two more games between now and then. They have the FA Cup and then they have the second uh, leg against Nottingham Forest next week. So there is a lot of football to be played for them between now and then. So it is very much a case of watch this space. But it is a very juicy looking double game week. It'll be typical that Leeds like draw with Akron and Stanley or whatever it is they're playing. If the double goes ahead, what do you think of triple captaining? I think strike while the iron's hot. This is potentially the best double game week you're going to get this season. And Rashford has returned in all but one game since the World Cup break. So I think it's got to be done. <clears throat> Rashford in 22 with the double or Erling Haaland in 23 with the double? It's the, it's the pro- That's the problem, isn't it? It's... Erling Haaland say... reminds our listeners, both of them, uh, has <laughs> remind ourselves. <laughs> yeah, has a double of Arsenal, tough game, but they look like they can concede goals, and Aston Villa. Now he's just gone and banged a hat trick in. He is, I mean, he was gone for what a game and a half, and now he's back. I think I, I'm really, really toing and froing. I also think potentially if I'm going to triple captain. I want to make it a bit fun. So there's a chance I would go triple cap sure. on Bruno, potentially. Because I could get Bruno in with a minus eight and fix a lot of the problems that are currently in my team. Um, so that's definitely on the cards. Not sure I'm going to pull the trigger yet. We'll have to wait and see how the fixtures fall. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one. And it would probably be a differential, which is... Imagine saying that about two years ago, or 18 months, two yeah. years ago, that Bruno was your differential going into a big double game week. Well, now that Ronaldo's gone, Bruno could be great again. Like, let, let's wait and see. But I, I have high hopes there, especially if he's back on penalties. Man, you haven't had a penalty in so long. So, which, again, imagine saying that. But now Howard Wedd has, uh, has taken over the Referees Association. It's coming back. Manchester United penalties every week are coming back, and I thought uh, you see uh, Liverpool haven't had a penalty all this season, have they? In the league, no, not a single one, which is just absolutely mind blowing. I blame um, Mo Salah. I mean, he hasn't got a single booking this season, which again I'm pissed off about. Like, if if everyone's going to call you a diver anyway, then just start diving. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I see your point. Why not? At this no. point, go for it. I, I get it that he I he doesn't dive, but if everyone's going to call him one anyway because he's Egyptian, then start diving, start doing a Harry Kane. I don't see why you wouldn't. <laughs> if you're going to pick just, up Kane, let's then... just let's just agree they both dive. I mean, but when Salah does it, it's cheating. When Kane does it, he's being clever. That's exactly it. Um, <laughs> regardless, uh, City have had penalties, though, which is why Haaland's been so lethal. Um, yeah, I think the obvious ones are Manchester United, but there's definitely something to say for Arsenal. If you're not trebled up on Arsenal, you need to be. They're playing Everton next. And that, I was so impressed with the way Arsenal took that game to Manchester United. About 75 minutes, both teams could have settled for a draw. That's what Eric Ten Hag was trying to do, bringing in Fred. Arsenal just went for them and went for them and went for them. Showed real courage and heart. And I think against a really frail and, frankly, bad Everton side, 
it could be a bit of a bloodbath. I'm not expecting a super high score line, but I'm expecting Arsenal to put three or four to them. You'd think so, the way things are going. The real key here is who are Everton going to get in between now and then. Uh, Rumours of Bielsa having more talks today. I think that would be a bad appointment. I think they the, the obvious one is the right one, and it's Sean Dyche, isn't it? And like I was listening to um, a podcast earlier today, and one of the guys in there made complete sense. It's like Everton, that squad, looks ready-made for Sean Dyche. Like mm. a back two of Tarkovsky and Connor Cody, that or a two centre half, that is a, a Sean Dyche pair and got written all over it. Yeah. A target man like Dominic Calvert Lewin, he's got Dwight McNeil on a wing who he's worked with at Burnley last year. Um, the real area of issue for them probably is the centre of midfield. Onana's all right, Gay's a little bit probably past it now. If they could get a body in there that doesn't then go and sign for Spurs two days later, <laughs> then. There's, there's enough to work with in that squad if you get a good pragmatic manager in. Um, but it's going to be too late for this Arsenal game. You'd imagine, yeah, Arsenal will destroy them. Yeah, I can't see anything but an Arsenal win here. And again, I don't think Everton are going to score. So if you've got Arsenal defenders, start them this week. But yeah, I'm not, not hopeful at all for Everton's chances. Um, but now they've got rid of Frank Lampard as a club, that is definitely a step in the right direction because he is terrible at football management. Yeah, the, pro- the and the problem at Everton goes deeper than just the manager as well. I think they've got so many off-the-field issues yeah, I, and, they're, and they're like, they want to be sold. Because whenever anyone says Frank Lampard, everyone goes, oh, but there's deeper problems at Everton. Don't try and take away from the fact that Frank Lampard is a terrible football manager. That's its own objective thing. Regardless of being at Everton, he... Really progressed Derby, taking them from sixth to sixth. He really progressed Chelsea, taking them from fourth to fourth. And they say he had no money. He spent forty million on Kovacic the year he had no money. Um, so yeah, Frank Lampard, not a good football manager, and he's been exposed again. Yeah, he's he, he he's going to be a struggle to him for him to find a job of the caliber that he will want. No, he, he's got to drop that down to the Championship. Yeah. There's no, I can't see a single Premier League club. What do you think of Leicester taking him if they get move Rodgers on? Do you think that's feasible? I don't think so. I don't think. I think they'll see what he's done here um, with a squad of probably West Ham fans wouldn't have him back no. uh, after the way he left us well, 25 years ago. Now we 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 there'd be riots, but um, yeah. I think he'd have to drop down to the championship. There's no other way back unless some stupid owner wants to take a punt on him again. But I, I just can't see it happening. Bournemouth? I mean, they took a punt on Parker. Yeah, but I, I'd argue Parker's probably better than Lampard. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, and that's a lot, that says a lot coming from you. Yeah, I know. Um, let's talk then, because we have put together a little list. And what we're doing is mid-season awards. So we're halfway through the season. Every team has played 19 games. Some have played a few more than that, but technicalities. So we're going to do our mid-season awards and we're going to talk about what we've seen at the halfway point of this season. So the first award is the nice one, which is the best team this season. Um, I think Arsenal have got to be runaway winners in this. They're five points clear at the top with a game in hand over Man City. So if they win that against Everton, it could be eight points clear. 
admittedly, they've still got City's play twice, but they've looked bloody good. And in the last three games against Man U, Newcastle, and I can't remember the one before that, Tottenham, they've shown real courage on every single one of those games and been the far better team in all of those games. I think Arsenal are definitely the best team this season. Yeah, definitely. It pains me to say it because whenever I watch them play, I look at Mikel Arteta and think, you are a royal prick. Yeah. Um, but no. he's gone playing very well. The signings he's made have come in and done well. Jesus has been very good. Zinchenko's been very good. So, it, yeah, I hate to say it, but it's it's got to be Arsenal at this stage of the season. No one expected them to be probably... You might have said they had an outside chance of a title challenge, maybe. No, but you'd you have been saying you'd, you'd have been I saying they'd do well if they get top four. Yeah, I absolutely would have been saying that. I would have been saying Man City and Liverpool are going to be as good as they have been in the past five years. Neither have. Um, admittedly, Liverpool have dropped off more. I would have said Tottenham look like a really good chance of challenging the top two, and I would have said Chelsea are always there. I would not have said Arsenal, and I probably would have said Man U before Arsenal. So the fact that they're now five to eight points clear at the top of the table is absolutely staggering at this stage of the season. Played 19, won 16, only drawn two games, only lost one, which is quite an incredible record at this stage of the season. Yeah, and the fact that the only one they did lose was to a Man United side when they played them off the park, really, but were just a little bit naive. Uh, and they've learned from that. It's going to be interesting because it, it seems to happen every week. We say, oh, the next one's the big test. But when they do play City, that is obviously going to be the biggest test so far, you'd imagine. Uh, they do play them Friday night in the FA Cup, which may be a little bit of a, give us a little bit of an inkling as to what they're going to do. Uh, maybe Pep will try and throw a spanner in the works like he often does when he plays against one of his big rivals. But uh, did you know it's actually, and this it, it's not often you can say this about two teams that are both in the Premier League. They haven't played each other in over a year. Oh, because the Queen's death meant it's been postponed. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was January, like the start of January 2022, they last played each other. Interesting. And City won 2-1. Interesting. Yeah, the dynamics between them is interesting. I still think that City are probably going to win it over the season. Uh, don't get me wrong, I, I, do, I really like watching this Arsenal team play. And a lot of the decisions that I thought were bad, um, so Odegaard captaincy, for instance, I thought was a silly move when Gabriel, I thought it should have gone to, but it's been an absolutely inspired move from Arteta. So I think he's been very bold and he's made a lot of decisions that aren't popular, but were right. So I'd love them to win the league, but it's just whether they can do that with City breathing down their necks, winning every game, which we know they will get to. But would you love them to win the league? Because I know a few mates that are Arsenal fans and I, I, I just can't deal with it. Uh, the alternative is Manchester City. Yeah, I don't know any Man City fans. Let them have it. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> Arsenal. I'd much rather Arsenal. I mean, you le- you spoke to me for a year when Liverpool won the league. I mean, you, don't get me wrong. You kicked me out of every WhatsApp group. And happened, <laughs> but <laughs> you still spoke to me and listened to me about Liverpool for the entire, entire year. So the Arsenal fans won't be that bad. And... Don't get me wrong, we've got a WhatsApp group we can kick them out of, so it's all fine. True. We'll, we'll um, take that. Next category is the worst team so far this year, and boy, there's quite a few to choose from. Um, so I actually think 
there's a lot of contenders here. And when I'm picking the worst team, I'm actually looking worst team in respect to where I think they should be in the table. Um, so it's Liverpool. I mean, I haven't actually picked Liverpool, but they probably are up there for this award. Um, who have you gone for for worst team? Like you say, this is actually a tough one because you could throw Liverpool in there. You could probably throw Chelsea in there. Yeah. Uh, Wolves have just been boring. Terrible. Um, Southampton have been terrible. But I think Southampton have been entertaining, though. Like, yeah. I, I don't mind watching a Southampton game. Everton are the worst team, though. Yeah, that it's got to go to Everton. I mean, the way they've been playing, I think the stat that's been doing the rounds is like West Ham have won one of their last eight and it was against Everton. Um, I think Bournemouth have won one of their last nine and it was against Everton. All the teams that have had rubbish records, their only points recently have been coming against Everton. Southampton have won one of their last nine. It was against Everton. Wolves have won two of their last 10 against Everton and West Ham. Bournemouth, one of their last 11, Everton. West Ham, one of their last eight, Everton. All yeah. of if if you're on a bad run, if you're really struggling, then Everton are the team you want to play against. And the fact that they're losing to everyone around them is really, really telling and really shows. And don't get me wrong, the players aren't very good, but what a badly managed football team. I can't wait for them to beat Arsenal next week. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Success story for the season. I think as painful as it is to say because of uh, the political side of things, it's got to be Newcastle. I mean, everyone sort of thought, oh, right. They had a very good back half of last season. I went on a very good run. Can they sustain it this year? And can they push on the next level? Can they potentially push for like top seven, top eight? And they're like challenging for the Champions League. They've lost one game all season um, and they've drawn against the likes of City as well. Uh, the, the, and they haven't really just gone out and spent ridiculous money signing everyone and everyone under the sun. They've made good, sensible signings. Uh, they've the defence has been incredible. I think they are this season's success story to date. I am gutted you didn't save out their cost. That will be by the end of the season when he scores twenty between now and the end of the season. I wouldn't bet against it. We know what he, outs- he outscores Haaland in the second <laughs> half of the season. Um, yeah, Newcastle are the obvious runaway for this as well. I think, don't get me wrong, these awards are going to get more debated as we go on. But let's get the obvious ones out of the way. Newcastle, for all the stuff behind the scenes, they've bought very well and they're really, really well coached. And that defence just looks unbeatable. Um, best defence in Europe's top five leagues by a distance at the moment. It's insane. And like we've we've said on here before, Eddie Howe historically has had a reputation of a good coach but can't organise the team defensively and he's obviously completely put that to bed now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to surprise package. And I think the one that's really snuck under the radar is Fulham. Um, and they're my surprise package because everyone was having them in and around relegation zone. What they've, in the last uh, five years, they've had... Uh, three promotions and three relegations. No, that's not two promotions. No, <laughs> no let's go with three and three in five years. They got an extra <laughs> one in there somewhere. It, it's two and three in six years, I think. Um, two and three in six years. Um, but they are the definition of a yo-yo club, them and Norwich. So what Marco Silva is doing, he's come in, he's taken the same players, but he's built some consistency and he's got these players delivering and playing the right way. Even 
essentially bit part players, Cogs and Lewill, like Decon over Reed, have been really, really essential to the way that Fulham side works. And actually, we talk a lot about Brentford. We talk a lot about Brighton. We talk a lot about all these clubs around them. But Fulham are up in seventh, halfway through the season. Who would have seen that coming? I think they're the surprise package and the success story for the season. Yeah, annoyingly, I did have this written down. But just to go with something different, uh, I will go with Brentford because I had them as sort of scrapping relegation this season. They might get found out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, let's go with them instead. I didn't see them performing as well as they have done. Their home form has been incredible. Uh, but obviously, we still are yet to see what's going to happen with Ivan Tony in the second half of the season. And that could they'll seriously happen. No, I think they'll brush it under the rug. That will be he'll get the ban like, in the summer for the start of next season. I think that's what's going to happen with Ivan Tony. Um, so on FPL, I wouldn't hesitate to bring Tony in if you've got the funds to. Um, let's talk about transfers. And should we just get best out of the way? Because we we can just say best transfer is Erling Haaland. Are you happy with that? Should we move on? Uh, I got a different one for this. Oh, so yes, Haaland obviously has been a fantastic signing, but has he? realistically improve city like they they we expected them to be top of the league they they're not top of the league but you know what i mean like i've gone for someone that has completely transformed the club that he's come into and it's casemiro oh right (laughs) it's casemiro for me like and he was there was a lot of derision when he signed for the big money that he came in for but since he came in man U have improved yeah, endlessly. So uh, that's why good. I've gone for him instead of Haaland because we all expected Haaland to come in and score a hat full of goals. We didn't expect Casemiro to come to United and make them into potential title challengers. Twenty-five goals in seventeen games in the Premier League. Quite, he's quite good. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> I just didn't want to go for Haaland because it felt too boring. But I love the Casemiro shout, and I agree. I'm uh, gonna throw one more in there. Um, bear with me one moment. Is it Darwin uh, Nunez? It is not Darwin Nunez. Uh, let me. Is it Arthur Mello? <laughs> I actually forgot he was at Liverpool. But I completely so did I. Um, <laughs> absolutely mad, isn't it? Um, I, can't, I can't remember his name. God, I'm trying to look it up. Who's, Fulham signs a defensive midfielder who has been absolutely revolutionary for them. And I can't for the life of me remember his name. Um, I'm looking up. I'm looking it up now. Um, no, it's not Tom Kearney. You know the one, the central defensive midfielder for Fulham, uh, who's in their starting eleven. Uh... Oh, Palinia. Palinia, him. He has been magnificent for them, and he's been a real linchpin to their success. You can talk about Mitrovic. Pereira has been awesome for them as well. But I think Paulinha has been wonderful for Fulham this season. So I think he deserves a shout as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> very good. He loves, loves a big tackle. And I always appreciate that. A classic. I would have, I would love Liverpool to sign him for Fulham in the summer. Like, I think he's really, really top class. And I think he's gone really under the radar. Stop um, stealing Fulham's players. <laughs> well, it's not worked so far. I mean, actually, that's not fair. Carvalho and Elliot are both very young. But yeah. Steve Finham was a success back in the day. He played as our fullback for many, many years. Um, now, this is a good category. Worst transfer. So I think there's a few names we can put here. 
Go on, why don't you open the, open the betting? There are quite a few we could talk about here. Um, Arthur Mello is not Arthur Mello is I mean technically but you know he's he's on loan isn't he so it's not even worth discussing <laughs> um, people will say Darwin Nunez here but I think that's harsh no, um, I, I, I think he's not been great but he's really not been as bad as people are making out no I agree um, he's underperforming the underlying numbers but the underlying numbers are good so that is a good sign um, and he's you playing can throw... well watch him play he's playing well yeah, it's just every now like his finishing's not there. He's twenty three. It will get yeah. it will improve. Yeah. Um, then you've got the likes of people will say Anthony because of the big money that he came for. Um but the one I've the one I've gone for is probably a little bit more out of left field. And it's Gonzalo Guedes for Wolves. He signed in the summer for twenty seven and a half million pounds. Oh, yes. And in 13 appearances, he's just about made three hundred touches of the ball, and now he's gone on loan to Benfica for the rest of the season. Good lads, strong performance, and that is why Wolves are in trouble this season. Yeah, uh, they'll be all right now that they've got a proper manager in. <laughs> um, could you argue? I think Anthony is definitely up there. Ninety million pounds for Anthony, and he—I think it was really exposed in the Arsenal game, and it's been exposed for a while. He's out of his depth for that Man U, in that Man U team. And if it wasn't for the price tag, he wouldn't be playing. If it, he was a local lad, he well, if he was a local lad in Liverpool, he'd be starting every game. <laughs> um, but I think Anthony has definitely got to be up there as flop of the season. But I think a bigger one is Richarlison for Spurs. No Premier League goals so far. One Premier League assist so far. Brought in to be a second striker for the K- to Kane. And he has been woeful. Now, that's partially due to Conte's tactics, admittedly. Um, but he showed in the World Cup how, co- how good he really can be, and he's been nowhere near that when playing for Tottenham. So for the price tag, I think he's got to be up there so far for flops of the season so far. That's a good shout as well. To be honest, I, I, I sort of forgotten he existed. Um, he's one that is strange. I think, if, I think he's almost signed preparing for when Kane inevitably gets injured for a month or two. And then he can come into that yeah, starting man. 11 as a central striker rather than playing out wide, which he's done a lot. But see, it's a lot of money to spend on a, a backup striker. Um, yeah. Speaking of rubbish strikers, Aubameyang as well deserves a shout. Yes. Um, brought, into, brought into play under Thomas Tuchel and played a total of seven minutes under him before Tuchel got sacked. <laughs> it's, it's quite incredible, isn't it? And he's been rubbish. He's not really played at all for Potter, has he? He's been really, really bad. So many options here. There has been some bad transfer business. I think if we had to pick one... Oh, another name to throw in the hat, Bissouma. Um, because Hoiberg is a really bad footballer, and Bissouma hasn't been able to break into that team. That should have been a really easy walk-in for Basuma, and he hasn't managed to do it, especially under Conte as well. Um, Jed Spence as well hasn't got basically got a single minute. Admittedly, Conte basically came out and said, I didn't want to sign him straight away. So the guy's probably starting on the back foot. But Always a good sign, isn't it? To not break into that Spurs team ahead of Emerson Royale, you've got to be down as a bad signing there. Honourable mention as well, Dwight McNeil. <laughs> I th- I like Dwight McNeil. He's still young. Is he? Yeah, he, he's really young. Dwight McNeil's like 22. Um, let's have a look. Dwight McNeil age. 
Oh, he's 23. Oh, Jesus been, Christ. What? He seems like he's been around forever, but he's 23 years old. So I, I like Dwight McNeil. I think he's got a bright future just as long as he moves from Everton. It'd be interesting to see where he ends up next year once Everton go down. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's move on to stupidest transfer. Who have you got for this? This one for me, uh, and I almost mentioned him in the previous category, mm. but decided to hold it back for this one um, for reasons I will elaborate on. I've got Raheem Sterling yeah, because he was a player that was signed in a position where Chelsea have a lot of players already and he hasn't performed well at all anyway. He signed for big mm. money, hasn't improved the side at all. And when you look at all the other options they've got in those <laughs> wide and front areas, it just seemed, well, what was the point in that signing? It just it didn't make sense at the time. People thought I would come and give them that experience and push them onto mm. the next level, but it, it just has not worked out in the slightest. I completely agree. I was actually going to say Fofana. Um, he's been injured for a year at Leicester, essentially. Then Chelsea go and splash 80 million on him. Then he gets injured straight away again. The guy is stealing a living on the back of a good half season for Leicester, um, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Another one, though, to bring up that I think is really worth mentioning is our boy, our favourite, Emmanuel Denny. (laughs) 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 uh, Being signed by Nottingham Forest uh, as one of their many, many signings, and now they're desperate to sell him so they can fill up, so they can get more spaces in the squad. It's, it's hilarious. He came on last night against Man United in the uh, in the League Cup and did nothing. Um, but oh, they, they were already 2-0 down at that point, so it wasn't ever going to happen. But yeah, it's you can probably throw a couple of names from Forrest in here with the amount yeah. of signings they made. There's a couple of stupid ones in there. So many. But I think Emmanuel Denny, just because he holds a place in our hearts. Um, Definitely. I, uh, one thing we missed on good signings, actually was potentially Christian Eriksen for Man U. Been understated, but I think he's been very good for them as well. And Akanji for Man City is another one we missed out, but that perhaps found another really good centre-back there. There's, yeah, I think the thing is as well, and when you, when you look at the amount of spending that the Premier League's done in the last <coughs> two windows, um, so summer and now this one, there's a lot of money spent, so you'd imagine some good qualities come in. But yeah, Akanji's a great shout as well. He's, he's floated straight into that City defence like he's been there for years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go for most fun team to watch this season. Don't say it. <laughs> what? I didn't say anything. We're absolutely about to say Liverpool just to. Yeah, it's great it. fun. It's great <laughs> fun just to watch you have a meltdown when Curtis Jones comes on every week. Oh, God. Um, genuinely, Liverpool and Chelsea in the last game was. One of the worst games of football I've ever watched in my life. I think both both clubs are in absolute states right now. Liverpool with their injuries, Chelsea with just zero identity. Um, neither club really has any direction or knows what the hell they're doing. And it ended up in just such a terrible game of football. Um, so I actually think, I think Chelsea are probably the least fun team to watch. My most fun team to watch are Brighton at the moment. I think they're great. They're great fun. They score loads of goals. They concede loads of goals. What's lots of love? Yeah, they are like every time at the moment. And someone like Mitoma, who's just come in, and oh, it's like him. every he's got like the Alan St. Maximum about it for me. Like you yeah. want to see him on the ball, and when he does, he does exciting things. So it's just great mm. fun to watch. And like you say, yeah, they ship goals, they score goals. 
Um, their games recently have been very good. Like if you look back to that three two. Uh, no, four two lost to Arsenal. I think was it Boxing Day mm. or around there or New Year. I can't remember New Year's Eve. Um, like there's just goals and it's exciting. Deservey has just come in and just like thrown um, everything up in the air and gone, yeah, why not? I love how he and Potter have almost gone got this, with the same group of players, got completely different things out of them based on their individual styles. So Potter had them really well working together as a defensive unit. Deservey has just gone. Same group of players, sod that, we're going all out attack. And both of them have worked. Like, both of them have worked. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I think Brighton are a really fun team to watch. I also think Brentford, when they when they sing, they really sing. They abs- absolutely tore Man U apart. They tore Liverpool apart to a lesser extent as well. And um, when they're on form, Brentford are a brilliant team to watch. Yeah, I think Brentford can be a bit shit or bust. But yeah, when they're on form, they're very good. I was just looking back at Brighton's most recent scores. So last was a two-all draw, just the amount of goals here. So a two-all draw, 3-0 win, 4-1 win, 4-2 loss, 3-1 win, 2-1 loss, 3-2 win, 4-1 win. Like, there's just goals. Goals galore. Um, And the only time they conceded zero was against Liverpool. Yep. <laughs> what a season we're having. Um, transition season. It's fine. Everyone needs one. Um, <laughs> you let's keep talk... telling yourself that. Uh, why don't you go for our most fun player and least fun player? So I think, and I just mentioned him at the moment. For me, Mitoma is the most fun player. It, it's probably a bit of recency bias because it's probably that since the World Cup. Bias. Yeah. That's um, but he's very much in there at the moment. Um, Still got the likes of like Rashford as well at the moment. He just feels like he can make something happen at any time. Haaland is just fun to watch because he bullies defenses like for fun. Yeah, I, I've put Haaland down. Just uh, the first game against West Ham was an absolute demolition job. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And look, West Ham actually defended really well for the whole game, and there was nothing they could have possibly done. Haaland was that good. He is, for me, the most fun player right now to watch in the Premier League. Um, I'm really enjoying watching Bakayi Saka as well, though. Yeah. As much as Odegaard is the one making everything happen, and he's been Arsenal's key difference this season, I think. Oh, he and Partey, actually. Um, But Saka is the one that's really fun to watch. Martinelli's fun too, but Saka's the one that really makes you think something's going to happen right now. Yeah, I think Saka's a very good shout as well, to be fair. He has, um, like... You look at the Man United game at the weekend, Shaw was just scared to get near him. He was oh, yeah. just backing he off and backing off and backing off. Yeah, completely. Um, least fun, um, Anthony Gordon. There we go. It's got to be an Everton player. So, and Anthony Gordon is the most uninspiring footballer on the planet. Although Newcastle are apparently about to sign him. Yeah, it's weird because he, like, Everton is his boy club and he hasn't turned up for training for the last three days. Apparently, the first day was uh, agreed. Um, Yesterday, so as we're recording this Wednesday, he just didn't turn up and there was no word about it. And then by lunchtime on Thursday, he still hadn't turned up for training and no one really knew what was going on. I hope he was going to do an Odin wingy and just turn up at uh, Newcastle's training ground and be like, sign me. Um, <laughs> I said but, it in a yeah. that I would love if, um, you know that FIFA, um, they did the Marcus Rashford thing on the FIFA games. Yeah. Um, 
when the agent is getting tricked and everyone thinks, including the player, thinks he's going to go to Real Madrid, it turns out Real Madrid were never in for him. I hope <laughs> that's happening with Newcastle and Anthony Gordon right now. Um, his agent's just being taken for a ride on, on a practical joke and he's kicking off a shitstorm at Everton for it and for her club. That'd be great. Um, I actually gone for, for me personally, as a West Ham fan and what has been a painful season, I've gone for Thomas Suchek. When I see his name on the team sheet now, I have a little groan inside. And yeah, it's just been like from a man who was an FPL legend two seasons ago and just racked up points with goals coming into the box late on. Uh, he has very much fallen off a cliff over the last 12 months. Yeah. I also think for you, Paqueta has been so disappointing for West Ham in the first half of the season. Just came in with so much promise and so much hype, starting for Brazil. But he's been shit for you. Really, I think really. the part that there's two. I think the problems here are twofold. He's playing out of position for Brazil in the World Cup. He played deeper, um, mm. so a lot, what a lot of West Ham fans are clamouring for is him to play alongside Rice um, in a two, and then you have someone else in the ten. But he's been playing in the ten, which isn't necessarily his strength. Um, he's more of a deep line playmaker than than a number ten. Um, and the other thing is giving someone like Lucas Paqueta, David Moyes as a manager. Uh, and as a lot of people have said, it's like getting a brand new iPad and then asking your nan to set it up. Yeah, very much so. Let's talk stupidest moment then of the season so far. It's got to be the Ronaldo interview. <laughs> yeah. it, it can't be anything else, can it? Like... Ronaldo interview with Piers Morgan. Like, and it was just the most ridiculous thing ever. And Piers Morgan, like, I, I'm... I've never had such bad second-hand embarrassment in my entire life. Like the the desperation to put his lips around that little Portuguese bumhole, it was absolutely <laughs> incredible to watch, and I've never felt such second-hand embarrassment in my life. It it was everything, wasn't it? It was mm. awful. It was embarrassing. It was funny. It. <laughs> it was just. It was car crash. It was cringe. I yeah. And everything that's come out of it. And now, like, it, everyone thought, oh, it's not just embarrassing him, but it was like it's embarrassing for Man United. But look how Man United have come on since then. Yeah. Like, it's the best thing that could have happened for them. Yeah, completely. And you just think if he hadn't done that interview, he'd probably still be United and still causing an absolute stink there. Um, I think he's been shown to be well, well past his best. And it's such a shame that such a fantastic player has just been such a massive balance. I mean, we all knew he was, but not not to the extent that he'd destroy his own career over it. Yeah, and now he's playing in a D-rate league, maybe, if you can and be that generous. In two games, just knocked out of the semi-final of the Cup that that team has won for the past four years in a row. Yeah, Good you love it. to see it. Yeah, love to see it. Um, do you have anything else, a funniest moment? Because that was our last award. Uh, the funniest moment for me... Uh, and I spoke about this a few weeks ago, was Brighton's fourth goal against Everton at Goodison Park. Uh, when I was watching the highlights back of this game, I knew that the third and fourth goal were in very quick succession. Uh, and Brighton got their third, and the boos that went around the stadium as that third goal went in. <laughs> I was like, and there's another goal coming very quickly. It's going to be monumental. And then <laughs> Idrissa Gunagay gives the ball away, attempting to play a back pass. Um and as the ball rolls into the back of the net, the noise that comes from the Everton fans oh, is great. just, oh, it's so beautiful to me. 
I have a slightly more positive one than just people being upset. I mean, don't get me wrong, I agree, it's hilarious. My funniest moment and my favourite moment is, I think I was at yours and we were watching the Arsenal match and the first time we started hearing the Saliba chant. That chant is the funniest thing that's come out of this season and it's my favourite chant ever. Oh, I, I absolutely loved it. And I think that's the best thing to come out of the season so far. Better than Arsenal's success, better than the decline of Everton. The Saliba chance is what has made this season special. And the worst thing is we've started and ended this with talking about Arsenal and praising them. And that really pains me. What can we insult about Arsenal? Now, Pierce Morgan is one of their fans. So their fans. Uh, yeah, there we go. That'll do. Anyway, that, that'll do. Right, guys. And Thomas uh... Party's a rapist. <laughs> yeah, Thomas Party. <laughs> Is definitely a rapist. Um, can you say that? Well, whatever. No one's listening. Well, he, we've all seen the text as well. Like, just Google it. He's a rapist. Um, <laughs> guys, we're going to be back with an FPL podcast preview in the game week next week. This was just more of a bit of fun and a bit of an overview. Um, but come and chat to us. We promise we're as bad as we seem. Uh, so we can be found on Twitter at Big at the Back. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Higgins92. Tom is at TomMadden92. If you want to hear more from me and about West Ham in particular, you can listen to me on the Pretty Bubbles podcast uh, with an episode coming up tomorrow, hopefully, uh, ahead of our FA Cup fourth round game against Derby on Monday night. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? I hope you lose that. It'll be very funny. Just I'm sure we'll, if like after winning a game like that's <laughs> it we've got to lose one now haven't yeah. we so wouldn't we you rather lose the FA Cup though because the FA Cup doesn't matter I've told you a hundred times yeah but yeah, it'd be nice to go to Wembley wouldn't it no no because you'd lose again <laughs> yeah so, but you know back to 2006 um, let's end the podcast thank you all for listening and we'll be back with another podcast on